Hello, golfing world, and welcome to another episode of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz coming at you. Sleaze, another exciting week of PGA Tour Golf. Yes, it's back. It's live. It was good. I feel like the first three weeks we've had incredible winners. When you look back at the winners, Berger, Simpson, now DJ getting back in the winner's circle again. Keeping a nice little streak alive. Now he's won every year for 13 years that he's been on tour. Not bad, but pretty good. Golf's better when you got all the big dogs up at the top, and right now we got them. And DJ back, that, that makes it way more fun yeah, for everyone. Yeah, 21st career PGA Tour victory. Vaults him over $63 million in career earnings. Puts him fifth all-time on the money list already. That's a joke. At yeah. 30, just turned 36 years old, mm -hmm. fifth all-time. Yeah, he ain't done yet either. About the little rocket he just sent up at 18. It was kind of getting wobbly there for a little bit, coming down the stretch, and then 18. Some people put a, put a little steer on it, just get it somewhere in the fairway. He's like, no, nah, just go ahead and hit it 350 in the air. Yeah, I want to almost back up to hole number 12 where Brendan Todd had the absolute disaster making triple bogey. Looked like, I was like, oh, well, this thing's over. DJ's going to walk away with this thing. He proceeds to hit it out of bounds, hits it in the train tracks on 13, makes a bogey, gets one of the best breaks, I would argue, of his career on the drivable 15th when the ball basically plugged in the hazard. It didn't plug, but it landed so soft. That ball was destined for the water, stays up, makes an unbelievable par, and like you said, proceeds to hit one of the, like, I would say it compares to the drive he hit off Oakmont on 18 when he won the U.S. Open. Just an absolute seed when you have to hit it. 351 yards, outdrove. The next closest guy was 15 yards behind him. Yeah, and there's some guys that are moving it right now. I feel like DJ goes the opposite. When a lot of people get nervous, they get tight, they swing shorter, try to steer it. DJ's like, nah, if I'm nervous, I'm going to hit it as hard as I possibly can. And it's worked out, you know, watching him win like he did yesterday. That was pretty impressive. But the break on 15, dude, that was why I could not. I rewound it like five times. It's like, how does that not move yeah. an inch? Yeah. And for the third straight week, third different putter in the bag. And this one seemed to work. He rolled it beautifully, made a couple of huge putts, notably the one off the from off the green on number 10. Yeah. The, it, watching him putt with that. I know he's back and forth all the time. It looks weird watching him putt with that thing. A, it's just an awkward looking putter. I think he's the only guy using it on tour right now, but you're just so used to seeing him either with like the Newport style mm -hmm. putter or the, or the mallet that he was so good with for so long. It looks weird seeing that thing up there. I wonder how long, I know he just won with it. So obviously it's going to be in the bag for a while, but uh, we'll see if he doesn't keep tinkering with that. It's not the museum. It ain't that there's only one the museum. museum stays in the bag. Always. Exactly. You got to pay a, a small fee to check that thing out. what do you think about Phil though, dude, Phil making some noise. A played great, was leading going into the weekend, but B there's some fashion choices going on from, uh, from Philly. Is it, is it premature to call this midlife crisis? for no, Phil? No, I think it is. I mean, he's lost all this weight. He's wearing these sunglasses that look like they should be on a 22-year-old. And then just to top it off, Sunday he shows up in joggers. Yeah. The, the sunglasses looks like he's coming from like the sequel for Super Troopers. Like he's auditioning for that. And the joggers, he's catching a lot of heat on social media for the joggers. I don't mind the joggers. I like them. I don't know if I would expect Phil Mickelson to be the guy. But coming from some of the stuff Phil used to wear, dude, like the baggy pleats with the pinstripes look like a mob boss or whatever. I don't think the joggers are all that bad. Now that especially since he's now he's skinny Phil. They look better than they would have a few years ago. Yeah, but, hey, good to see him playing better. That, the first 36 holes was incredible, and then he kind of um, lost it a little bit on the weekend. But, hey, good to see him. And we're going into another huge week on the PGA Tour, going over to Detroit for the 4th of July, Rocket Mortgage Classic. Yes, sir. A lot of the big boys uh, back in play. Bryson coming off another big week, which seems to be just run of the mill now, top tens for him. Webb's back in the field after taking a little one week off. So, I mean, they're going – and, by the way, the scores these guys are shooting right now, it feels like – no rust. Do you think the scores are better in part because, like, no fan? Do you think that has anything to do with it at all? It, it could be. I don't know. Maybe if guys are just a little more laid back and yeah. relaxed and they're just going out there and winging it. Uh, they've had perfect weather three weeks in a row, like zero wind and soft greens on three of the shorter golf courses on the PGA Tour. And you're going to see these guys like Bryson who can overpower these things with soft greens and no wind. The scores are going to be low. What do you, do you think, like we talked to all the players before, like what's it going to be like without fans, all that type of stuff. Do you think there's a part of them that after three weeks this now is like starting to get used to it and like almost enjoy it? No distractions, no people yelling, no cameras being, you know, pictures being taken while they're hitting. You think part of them is like, dude, this is actually kind of nice. The no distractions is nice, but the not having the buzz of the crowd and the adrenaline going because, you know, the play, you can you can hear roars from all over the place. Like I think guys miss that because it's so much fun to play in front of a crowd. And I think those guys will, will always enjoy that. There's obviously perks to playing with nobody. You're not going to get yelled at very often in the top of your backswing. You're not going to have any cameras go off very often. But 
Um, playing in front of crowds is a cool deal, and I think a lot of those guys will miss it. I feel like some of the guys they'll enjoy, like the, if, if you're in the lead or near the lead for the first time, or it's rare, you do it a couple times a year. Like playing with no without having ten deep behind you every single shot, if you're not used to that, it's probably like a huge breath of fresh air. They don't have to deal with the final round, you know, drama that goes with all the galleries and stuff. I feel like some guys probably enjoy it. Yeah, and Cole, I know there was a time when you were playing the Travelers a few years ago where you might have wished there wasn't any fans. You had a little bit of a, a super fan out there giving you some encouragement. Yeah, one of my favorite <laughs> events on the PGA Tour. I always loved going to the Travelers. It was always around my birthday, so a special week. Um, but I remember I was in one of the last few groups on Sunday, coming down the stretch, was playing terrible. It was like three or four over par on Sunday. Just wanted the day to be over with. Walking up 18, and I'm in the middle of the fairway, and all of a sudden this guy goes, Nice playing today, you fat fuck. <laughs> he goes, looks like you're going to be back on the web.com tour where you belong and all this, and just gives it to oh, me okay. the whole way up the hole. And I'm just like, look, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, what did I do to this guy? He's like, you're so worthless. You don't even belong to be out here and all this. And I'm like, good God, whatever. So my caddy at the time, he's like, dude, just keep your head down. Let's just finish. Let's get out of here. Uh, so I finish next year or maybe the year after, somewhere in the near future, same situation again, playing well, first three days. Going into Sunday, here we go again. Three or four, four over par coming up 18. I'm playing with Tommy Two Gloves Ganey. Walking up 18th fairway, I'm pissed off again. Obviously, not having the Sunday I want. All of a sudden I hear, hey, Colt, remember me? He goes, <laughs> so good. looks like you're doing it again. And I'm just like, who in the – and just starts wearing me out again. And it comes to the point where to Tommy Ganey wants to go fight this guy. You should have let him. I should Tommy would do it. Looking dude. back now that I don't play anymore. Tommy's just I asking for – He's like, who is that guy? I was like, dude, I have no idea, but this is the second time this guy's come at me like this. <laughs> and it's unbelievable. The worst I've ever been heckled in my PJ Tour career. Uh, I mean, it's funny looking back at it now. Like some of the stuff this guy said to me, but I was just like – just a what random did dude. I do to you? You didn't hear him from the first 17 holes, never heard from him no. after. Did, you never met him or he never came up to like a scoring area or anything like that and was like, hey, dude, just, no, just I, joshing. I remember he was about 150 yards from the green on the right side of number 18. And this the, I mean, the, it's so crowded there on 18 normally. I mean, they're 20 yeah, yeah, deep up that. the hill. So you can't really tell who it is. It takes balls to do that in front of a whole yeah. gaggle of people like that, too. I'm like, apparently I did something bad to this gentleman. This, I do. I need to know who this guy is because you told us story before. I love it. If anyone's in the greater Connecticut area and hates Colt or knows the guy <laughs> that hates Colt and wants to reach out to us, please hit us on at we'll Golf Subpar because I want to talk to this dude. We'll do a call-in interview. I got to know this dude, and I got to know why he hates Colt. You must have done something to this dude unknowingly. Maybe an ex-girlfriend along the way or something. Oh, my God. I have no idea, but I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, so it's really funny looking back at it now, but a guy that could probably relate to this is our next guest, Mr. <laughs> Kevin Stadler. You I don't know that Stads would have handled it quite as well as you did with uh, somebody. I think he might have just uh, taken it into his own hands. He, he would be perfectly fine with no crowds probably for the rest of his career. No crowds, no media obligations. No one talked to me. I'm here to play golf. Just shut up and watch me golf. Yeah, but it was fun sitting down with him. Got to see a little bit of a different side of him. He opened up a little bit and told some cool stories. Yeah, man, he's a great dude. You and I have known him for a long time. Awesome dude. It's been tough for him going through the injury stuff, which we get into a little bit uh, in the interview. But from what it sounds like, he's going to get back, getting ready to play again. And uh, that's uh, a really good sign. because He's been out for a long time, man. I know it's been a tough four or five years for him. Yep, it has. But before we get to him... You got a special word from our official sponsor. Got to tell everyone out there about a little company called Roman, our official sponsor. Anyone who's dealt with erectile dysfunction knows how awkward it can be to talk about in person. Nobody wants to go in and discuss DDS, a.k.a. Droopy Dong Syndrome. So luckily, there's a simple, convenient solution to get the treatment you need without leaving the couch. Our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need right from home. Just grab your phone, computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment's right for you, congratulations, your medication can be shipped right to your door with free two-day shipping, and you can get back to plowing away. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, or DDS, Droopy Dong Syndrome. Stay home. Go get Roman.com slash subpar for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash subpar for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Here he is, the man himself, Kevin Stadler. It is our privilege to welcome on our next guest. He's a very good friend of ours, PGA Tour winner, and recently completely physically transformed Mr. Kevin Stadler. How are we doing? 
<laughs> Transformation is uh, not a, exactly true, but I'm you doing great. You look fantastic, though. You, how much weight have you lost? You've, a, a few. I tend to fluctuate Have you lost greatly. more than Bryson has gained? Uh, probably pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, I, I gladly you? give him half of me more, too. That's all good. I you look fantastic. Yeah, you look great. <laughs> you look great. What do you mean? What's... Just getting into it. What's this, what have you been doing? Are you just eating better, not drinking as much, or just, um, is yeah, there a secret? All, all of the above and hiding from you guys. Uh, yeah, well, so you've been very bored. Very extremely yeah, bored. See, that's what happens when you hide from me in the sleeves. Extremely bored. We'll the, get the, you back, right? Yeah, get you back up. Weight gain is in. What's the hardest part of losing weight? Not like eating good or not drinking as much. Probably not drinking as much and not 100%. doing anything. Yeah, most people say like the eating's fine or whatever, but it's the going out, the social, all that stuff. That's tough. and this bullshit virus has played right into that. So I can hide at home and do my thing. It's all good. Yeah, probably a good time to get after it. Well, you look fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. Let's go back to the the young Kevin Stadler. What was it like? Your dad wins the nineteen eighty two Masters. What was it like growing up the son of a Masters champion? No, I I was two years old when he won, yeah. so I, I don't have any memories of that. I've seen pictures, pretty cool, like riding on his shoulders up somewhere somewhere on the grounds. I couldn't tell you where, but um, you know, I, I one of, one of my greatest ongoing memories when I was a kid was going back there every single year when I was you know seven, eight, nine, ten, on probably till high school. I went every single year to Augusta. That's incredible. And yeah. it, I I don't know if it happened to be like during our spring break or whatever in grade school or i just said you know what i'm i'm going to Augusta with my dad i don't care so <laughs> screw school let's mm-hmm. go and my dad played along with that and it was it was sweet like i mean I, I, it was the one place that i made sure i was going to be at every single year like like except from a really really young age um the place is beyond words and you, you've been there it's, it's actually i have it kevin cool. I, I, you turn into your golf history. In you've been Research there a little better nope never stepped foot on the not ground once nope oh, i've been well, there kevin i know you have of course Paid my way in. moved his way yeah. in there yeah so yeah. it's it, it, it's fantastic you know that's like my old man win, winning there that was the one for me as a kid bonus was just the availability to go there frequently like every single year when i was when i was a little kid it was awesome at what age did you first get to play I didn't play there until I was in college. Um, he took me there a random day in like January uh, over winter break. It was like probably in the 40s and rainy and just the shittiest day you can imagine. Yeah. And, and we went out. I, I think he was not too happy with me because I was just I couldn't get enough of it. We played we played 18, went in, got lunch, went to the par three, played the par three, went back, played the back nine. My dad's probably thinking like, "Why the fuck did I bring you here? <laughs> this is ridiculous." But I, I, I wanted to go, go and go and go and go and go. It was dark, so it was just like, "All right, we're we're done." But it was it was an incredible experience. I mean, how could you not? I mean, I think if I if someone ever takes me now that my dream of playing in the Masters is obviously gone, if someone ever takes me, I want to spend all day there. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It'll be interesting to see if they actually let me in the gate since I turned down their invite. <laughs> Sorry about it. I got to tighten up a little bit, but I'm going to handle that mid am at some point, and you're going to be there. Par three guy. Ooh, yes, nice. 100%. Lighten the load for you. How old were you when you realized how special like that was? I mean, you're seven years old. You probably don't really realize the you know the significance of the Masters, but uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that. To be honest with you, it was it was something I was certainly lucky enough to where it was it was an annual thing, and I looked forward to it from the day that we left to fly back to San Diego when I was a little kid. I couldn't wait till the next year to go back there. You know, it was a uh, it was just a cool trip. You had all of his. Buddies went back. We rented a house. All stayed there, you know. And I just kind of roamed free, like I was a little golf nerd when I was a kid. I couldn't get enough of going out and watching my dad play, watching other people play, and just kind of roaming around. Like, and it was a different, different time then. They didn't, they didn't really give a shit. My, my dad's like, "Yep, yeah, we'll pick you up at five o'clock, regardless of when he played." Like, he, he, play, he played, he played, at, he played at eight thirty. I'd go watch him, and then I just wander around and watch all these other guys. So it was just let loose inside the gates of Augusta as a little kid, and, and with a player family badge thing just going and wherever the hell he wanted to it was pretty That's awesome it was did pretty you, cool did you know from a really young age like professional golf is what you wanted to do yeah very very lucky in that regard because i don't know what the hell else i would do and it was <laughs> not many do literally like from probably when i was like five years old if you asked me what i was gonna do i was like oh, i'm gonna play pro golf yeah. and looking back now after playing for a while and realizing how hard it is like i it's amazing that set that as a goal and somehow just ended up there yeah. and, and was able to to get out and play for a while because 
it's now that I'm on the back nine, it's it's a lot. It's a lot harder than it's I ever thought it was going to be. Nine. We're we're done. We're I've been in the clubhouse yeah. for yeah. forever, dude. Yeah. Rain delay. But your pops <laughs> didn't push you into playing golf, right? Like no. you found like your dad was obviously an incredible golfer, but you found golf kind of. He didn't push you and be like, "Hey, no, God, you no. need to pick up golf." No, he didn't. He could have cared less. Like my my younger brother doesn't play a lick. Um, I I just I I love going out and watching him play, and just couldn't get enough of it. I was lucky. I was just kind of a natural to it. I was really good when I was a little kid, and it was just basically all I did, you know, I played, played every sport under the sun when I was a little kid, but by the time I got to be 12, 13, it was nothing but golf. And, you know, my dad was super excited that I took to it like I did, but, uh, he was never, never that guy, like, uh, he never gave me a lesson and did anything yeah, like yeah. that. You know, he, one thing that I remember was that I'll never really forget was he, he came up to me and, uh, well, so let me backtrack a little bit. So when I was a little, little kid, I played left-handed. I would stand next to my dad and I'd swing left-handed. He'd, he'd be banging balls and I'd just hit right next to him the other way. And then he gave me some right-handed clubs and I played cross-handed for a while. And he bribed me to switch to a regular grip. Uh, he, he told me back in the day, he'd give me metal woods if I changed to a regular grip. So I was like, yeah, screw it. I'm, yep. I'm in for metal club. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. And then in high school, this is what I was going to say to begin with, that I'll never forget is he came up to me on the range. And he always used to hound me when I was a kid about never practicing like i just go to the golf course and i'd play and play and play some more like play 27 36 45 holes a day in the summertime and i still think he's full of shit like he would he would always say that he would go and practice and my whole life since i could remember him he never practiced but he would like rock up to the golf course go to the driving range when i teed off my thinking is he probably went inside and had a six pack of bud light and then came <laughs> back on the driving range when i was making the turn but made sure that I yeah, saw him on the range when I was coming up number nine. So I was like, hey, look at him practicing. That's pretty good. So he obviously but, had a very natural gift just like you do. But, yeah, so he, he came up to me on the on the range that one of those, like, in that time frame. And he looks at me and he goes, why the hell are you gripping it like that? And then I said, gripping it like what? And all I knew is I wasn't gripping it cross-handed. I had a 10-finger grip back then. But all he cared was that I wasn't gripping it cross-handed. He never taught me how to grip it. Never offered me the interlock overlap, any of that. I didn't know. I, and, I, and I was so stupid, I literally didn't even know what either one of them was. He marched up into the pro shop and got two assistant pros. And so he's like, you or you, who do you, who do you, want, to, uh, who do you want to teach you how to grip it? Because I know you're not going to listen to me, so <laughs> I, I'm out. <laughs> That's great. Pops, master champ, hey, go get an assistant pro at yeah. the local club. Teach my kid how to grip it. Yeah, because he probably, A, I wouldn't have listened to him. And B, I'm not too sure he would have known what he was talking about either. So it was, I love that. Well. You know, you had a successful high school career. You end up at USC. What? First off, how did you end up at USC? Second off, where else were you looking to go? Um, frankly, I don't know how I ended up at SC, but I more than anything, I think I was just kind of like somewhat predestined to go there. Uh, my my dad went there. My grandfather went there. Um, I was looking at pretty much anything West Coast. You know, we we moved to Denver right before I started high school. Lived in San Diego as a kid, so West Coast has been my thing. Kind of never even considered going anywhere east. Um, never frankly looked in the state of Colorado. It was a little too chilly in the wintertime. Um, but I looked at pretty much everything West from Texas to UNLV, New Mexico, ASU, Arizona, Pepperdine. Um, and it just, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know why it came down to SC or New Mexico. And I literally was standing with my parents. That's a little different. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally, totally different. It's, it's both sides of the coin, right? I heard your recruiting trip was a lot like Jesus Shuttlesworth from He Got Game. That's why you went. Yeah, I've been told that too. Have you? You, yeah, you heard the, about that? The, mm-hmm. the stories All are right. rampant. I, I would have had more, a lot more fun if either one of you were on that recruiting <laughs> trip. I know and that. By the way, the, good thing you didn't go to UNLV knowing your little craps addiction. Nah, that's not, not, that's not an well. addiction. Oh, that's not an addiction. Please, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> and USC like gives away more free shit than anyone else. So that's that's a fact, a but not to golfers. <laughs> not to golfers. Well, I mean, obviously they're known for their football program. What was it like when you were at school? Football was actually shit when I was in school. Their basketball team was really good. Um, you know, we had. I, I started Carson Palmer's first year was my first year, uh, I, and I might be misspeaking, but I think in his five years, I think he had four different offense coordinators and three different head coaches. It was just a lot of turmoil. Um, basketball team was great. Uh, we had a we had a really thin class, but like a really solid class my freshman year, and they made they made the eight and the sixteen two of the two of the years we were there. So that was a lot of fun. And back then, like no, it wasn't in the Galen Center, which is a sweet new arena we got on campus. Now it was at the old uh, 
the heck, uh, sports arena where the Clippers played before Staples. Mm-hmm. Getting really old now. Um, <laughs> You're only forty, dude. Yeah, Sorry. but uh, it was it was great. Like we used to rock up to those those games. Like nobody nobody really care about the hoops like the football. And we I mean we'd sit courtside. You know, at virtually every game. And it was a blast. Um, like I said, we had we had four guys that were uh, three or four guys that were my incoming year that started all four years. Um, they were they were really really fun. But the football football games were still a thing there. I mean it was it was what everybody does there. I mean that's uh, it's got tons of history behind it, obviously. Uh, but they they really weren't the SC of their re- most recent heyday until the year after I finished. It was uh, Carson's fifth year was Carroll's second or third year, I believe. They won. Um, they uh, won the Orange Bowl. They destroyed Iowa in the Orange Bowl, and then they went on from Detroit, there. Yeah. They went on from there to uh, Leonard and Bush and all that. The dyna- you just missed the dynasty. Yeah, it would have it would have been a heck of a lot of fun to be there for that, but it was still it was still great regardless. But getting back to how like just like you're always a guy. I grew up in Colorado. I looked up to you like growing up. You won the state amateur. You won everything in Colorado growing up. You you always been like just so naturally gifted with golf for whatever reason and. Got some good buddies that played on the USC golf team with you, obviously, and they talk about the same thing. They're like, dude, Stads used to be our number one guy. We drive up the van. He's playing number one, so he tees off an hour and a half after the number five guy or whatever, and he would sit in the van and read a book. <laughs> or sleep. Or, or sleep. He would just, but he would just be in the van. The whole Everyone else is warming up, hitting chips, even number two guys out there doing something. Stads would be reading a book, and he'd get so lost in his book, they're like, 10 minutes before his tee time, he'd be like, oh, shit, I tee off in 10 minutes. And he'd stumble out of the van, hit like eight balls, Two drivers, one putt, walk to the first tee, and then shoot 67 and be leading the golf tournament. Like, without even putting in, like, everyone else was, like, grinding out there, and they're shooting 73s, and you would just be like, oh, I tee off in eight minutes. I got to go. That's that's fair. I, I remember at New Mexico's tournament, I think it was my senior year, was was, was playing really, really well all, all season. And <laughs> I don't remember if I was reading the book or sleeping, to be honest with you. But <laughs> we got there. I mean, our, like, four and five guys wanted to get there an hour and a half early. And if it was up to me in those days, I would I would be there. 30, I was that guy. I'd be there Minus thirty minutes early. So an hour and a half early for the tea time that's forty minutes ahead of you. I got two hours and fifteen minutes or whatever before my tea time, and and I was and I needed a thirty minute warm up. And I'm like, I would still be sleeping when they got there if it was up to me. So I think I was just sleeping on the back bench of the van. But that that tournament, somebody came and had to wake me up to go play because I was out cold. That's awesome. <laughs> I love good. that. One of the best guys in the country. Hey, wake him up. He needs to shoot 68 <laughs> like he always does. Well, he turned pro in 2002. You know, had some up and downs. Won a few times on the now Corn Ferry Tour. Won, won the Johnny Walker over in Europe. But your first really, really big win, 2014 Waste Management Phoenix Open, your 239th PGA Tour start. At a golf course you don't like, by the way. Never no. been my favorite one. Exactly. Yeah. So how does it all come together? First off, you live across the street. I don't yeah. understand how you don't like the golf course. I mean, so for, for starters, my first really, really big tournament I won was the first pro tournament I played in, going back to my my dad's stories here. My my dad caddy for me at the Colorado Open in 2002 mm. was the first tournament I that played. That is a big one. First tournament I played as a pro and happened to, to win it in a in a playoff. like that. That was really cool. My dad was still playing really, really well, took his time off to come caddy for me in it. And um, it was a funny story. On like the 14th to 15th hole, we were right in the thick of it. I don't remember where I was in the tournament exactly, but we're playing a mountain course up in Vail. And I got this uphill tee, or uphill second shot. It's like a wedge. And it's it's way uphill on a mountain course. You can't really tell how far away you are, but it's it's not more than 120 yards. And my dad walks off the distance. And like there's, you know, it's a, it's a normal nice country club. There's no... It's, there's no yardage book, you know, like you got and whatever. And he finds it. He finds a, a head that's like 20 yards away and he walks it off and he gives me the number. It pins in the back up this big tier. And he's like, yeah, you got uh, 112 to the front and 145 to the hole. And I'm looking at it like it looks like it's 110 yards. I'm like, are you are you serious here? And he's and, and he's like, well, let me go double check it. So he waddles back and finds the sprinkler head again. <laughs> waddles. And, good. and he comes back and he's like, yeah, one, yeah, 112 and 148 or whatever it was. And I'm like, okay. So I hit this thing and stripe it right at it and it flies 20 yards over the green. And I'm just looking at him like, what, what like that? I don't hit it that far. Right. And I chip it about 50 feet past. Like I got this possible chip goes all the way down the hill to the front of the green. And I hoop it coming back up from like 50 feet for par. And he walks off the green. He's like, "Hey, thanks." And I and I was so I was so mad because I thought I thought I made two, and I'm like 
20 years old or whatever, 22 years old. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing to me here? Yeah. Like, give me bad yards. And he goes, he's like, yeah, thanks. I, I, I screwed that up twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A good friend of ours, Matt Irwin, did that to me one year. And I knew it right as he did. He, he did it twice. Yeah. I was like, yep. all right. You're, yeah, you're definitely not a caddy. Yeah. But stick to playing. So anyway, back to, to Phoenix. Um, Phoenix is definitely, it's not quite my cup of tea uh, with that shit show of a fan base and whatever it is. It's it's craziness. It's it's something. It's it's uh it, it's it's cool because it's once a year and it's pure madness. Mm-hmm. Um, something I played like five, six, seven years time. I don't I don't know how many times, but uh, never had any success really, and kind of frankly was a little bit over it where. I loved every other tournament on the West Coast. I played them all every year virtually. Um, and, and it was getting to the point where Phoenix was going to be the perfect break in the schedule, even though, I, like you said, I live across the street, literally across the street. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of the way it was slotted in was a, was going to be a good week for me to have a break. And uh, the year before I won, played really, really well on Saturday, or on Sunday, rather. Um, I don't remember where I was sitting, but I was like 8 or 10 under on Sunday. And uh, ended up finishing like fifth or sixth, and so I was like, okay, I, I got to play. I'll give it one. I, I got to play the next year. And, and what happened? The, the Broncos ended up making the Super Bowl that year back in New York, and thank God I didn't go to that debacle of a game. But I was legitimately considering not playing and going to the bowl. It was pretty cool that the the Sundays round here, I was paired with Ryan Moore, who's a Seattle guy, and he's a big Hawks fan, so it was it was pretty neat. And, and this being Super Bowl Sunday, the Sunday here was was really cool. Just I mean. Phoenix is a big transplant city. You know, you got people from all o- from all over, but all over the West Coast a lot. And there's tons of Colorado people here, tons of Washington people here. So walking around the tournament on Sunday was uh, Saturday and Sunday was just heaps of guys wearing Broncos jerseys, Seahawks jerseys. So it was it was, it was fun. It was cool. Yeah, yeah, you had your Broncos colors on on Sunday. Yep. Playing with Bubba Watson in the final group, and I heard there was a little somewhat of an incident on the 72nd hole on the tee box with Bubba. I wasn't really an incident, but. Um, or he yeah. might have just stepped in your way. This is, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, it was a little confusing. Um, we both uh, it it was pretty cool. We were both trying to choke as hard as we possibly could <laughs> on the back nine. Uh, on fifteen, the par five, he drove it in the water. I hit my second shot in the water, and we're just like, "Here, you have it. No, you have it. I don't. I don't want it. You have it." Um, but we both ended up making pars. We made he made about a twenty foot of par. I made about a fifteen foot of par, and he bogeyed sixteen. And 17, that pin was all the way in the back in the middle, which is real dicey. And we both drove it on the green, but like way over on the right corner. So you almost had to putt. Like you legitimately could have putted it into the bunker if you weren't too, too careful. And we both two putted there for birdie. And I think that at that time, he kind of forgot that he bogeyed 16 and uh, tried to jump in front of me on the tee on 18. I kind of had to shoo him away. But um he was. He, what is what is shoe? Yeah, what is shoe? I, 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 I don't know. He, elaborate on shoe. I, well, I, I I don't really know. Like he Ryan teed off first because Ryan had made kind of a charge. I think he birdied three in a row or four in a row at that point. He hit, and I knew I was second. I don't want to drive after Bubba. Yeah. Uh, especially on that hole. That hole does not suit me very well. I hit it about ten feet farther than you two, so I can't carry that water on it's the not left. Long. Not long. Well, you smashed uh, that one though. Yeah. That one I did. I was there was a little gentle adrenaline heard, involved. I heard in that he one. stepped in to tee up his ball, and you kind of just walk up and go, uh, "Excuse me, what?" Uh, you think yeah, pretty much. Like he he thought it was his turn <laughs> yeah. to hit, and he had the, he had his peg in the ground, and I was like, "Nah, I'm, nah. I'm not I'm not hitting, and I'm not hitting after." Did you. Did he say anything? No, he didn't. He was a little flustered. He didn't really know. Like what normally, was... if it's probably if it's not the seventy second hole, if it's yeah, just Friday like, uh, that happens, you're probably yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Go ahead. exactly. The 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 weird thing for me was like he seemed more nervous than I was, which should not have been the case. Well, he's nervous everywhere. Yeah, he, he feels is, like a jittery dude. He is, but like you said, it was two hundred millionth tournament uh-huh. I played without winning, and who knows how many he's won? Probably double digits, and it's like he'd been there, and done that a, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot. And yeah. and right. I had the one the one thing I remember was uh, Shan and my caddy. We were on we were on eighteen T, and it's honestly I hit a three wood off there a lot because I can't carry that water, and it takes a lot of the trouble out of play. And I asked him, I was like. We got up there once. Once we got Bubba out of the way, I was—I still didn't even know what I was hitting. He's like, "Do you like driver or three wood?" And he goes, "Well, it's just a three wood, isn't it?" And I was just real pumped up, and I'm like, "Fuck that! Give me a driver. I'm gonna hit it down there and make birdie and go watch Super Bowl." And he goes, "Okay, I love it." And didn't make birdie, but thank God that you had 110 yards yeah, into yeah. the back right pin, which is 
Yeah. I mean, the hole's 450. That's absolutely moving. It, yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, and then Bubba Watson goes on to miss a five-footer for par to force a playoff. And then uh, all hell breaks loose across the street a couple hours later. Oh, my God. It might have. <laughs> it might have. <laughs> we, totally, yeah. we know it did. We were there. I uh, am yeah, <laughs> well aware of that. The movie Project X. Have you seen the movie Project X? It's <laughs> <laughs> loosely based on your celebra- celebratory yeah, it uh, party. That was one of the best nights I've ever had in my life. There were more P- This is a testament to you because there was more PGA Tour players. Actually, the runner-up. I think Graham Dillette had a, ma- a massive week that week. He was either he second up. or third. Yeah, he was he runner up. Yeah. He shows up. A number of other PJ Tour guys. Everyone like so happy that you know you won. I'm sure you were sick of answering the question. You'd won, a, you'd won abroad and things like that. But I won on the PJ Tour and you got that off your back. So many guys showed up to celebrate with you. That had to be a yeah. Deal. It was awesome. You know, it was it was uh, obviously unexpected. You know, I was I was hoping to hoping to win that day and and played well enough too. And and literally when I when I got done, I didn't really see anybody and and everybody knows i've lived in the same house here for 15 years and that's right right here right so by the time we did the media and all that jazz i got home and there was probably already 50 people at the house like they were already having their their celebratory party and it was it was it was fun and people just kept pouring in the rest of the night yeah, i was, heard in your in your press conference you said i'm just looking forward to a quiet, <laughs> quiet evening and watching the broncos yeah, yeah all, all, I, happened, I mean i wanted yeah. to go home and watch the bowl and and do you remember the super bowl I didn't even watch it because we we I remember somebody came in during the presser and said that they just that the first series we snapped out of the end zone for a safety, so it was an ominous start, and they were getting crushed at halftime. And I and I made a a real effort to try to watch the second half and calm everybody down, or the second half and calm everybody down at the house, and was ready to watch the second half. And they returned the opening kickoff. And I would turn the TV off and I said, yeah. no one turns the TV on again. The rest party. Of the night. Let's yeah. Get this there was about a hundred people all celebrating as if they had won the Phoenix Open. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Rightfully so. That's exactly what you do. I remember showing up the next morning because I left my car there. I was there. I left my car. <laughs> I show up at 2 p.m. or whatever it was. I mean, it was late in the day. It was a long night. I show up. I walk in. I was texting. I was like, hey, I'm coming to get my car. My keys are there somewhere or whatever. Come in. You walk down the stairs. You, same exact gear that you'd had on the night before, Broncos gear. You come in, you stumble down the stairs, you sit on your couch, you're looking at me. I was like, dude, I need to get my car. Like, my keys are somewhere in here. Then you had a water bottle in your hand, and you took it and poured oh, the entire, this, remember that? You poured the entire water out. bottle over your head while you're sitting on your couch, and you're just like, dude, I, I can't even hey, just I don't blame find you. your keys and go. It was yeah, so good. There's a lot of truth in that. It was so good. <laughs> what I want to go to a story. This like That's an incredible story, because that night was unbelievable. But one of your first wins ever, minus the Colorado Open, the Argentine Open or Argentine, I don't know how you say it. You went down there, and I won't let you tell the story, but basically you're going down there, you're a young kid, just turned pro, and you're going against the great Angel Cabrera in his home country, at his home place, and all the fans are out there obviously rooting for their, their local guy. You end up beating him on the 72nd hole. Some disappointed fans there, but you won him over. I want you to tell the whole story of how that went down because it's a cool story. Yeah, it wasn't uh, – that was 2006, so it was um... – it was it was after I I been on tour for a year, lost my card. I'd had a couple of years on the on the nationwide tour back then. Um so I know I was kinda had my feet in the water, kinda had my bearings as a pro and whatever. And I went down there. My dad has been going down there since probably the early nineties. It used to be a big European tour event before their economy collapsed and uh, it was it was a huge event and he and he went down, he won it early and he ended up going back down there every year and playing. And uh, my dad's a big hunter and he loves going down there and that's like the mecca for dove hunting and on earth and he and he goes down there numerous times a year typically and he would used to use that tournament as he got older as a bullshit excuse to go down there and hunt and just have something yeah. to do so we tagged along uh hayes went with us and played there somehow finagled his way into the tournament not surprising yep and yeah played played really really well and and got paired up with Cabrera on Sunday. And like you said, it was, it was kind of cool. It was a little bit of a free for all down there. Like no ropes, like tons of people out there watching Cabrera, which is, he's a hell of a player. He's an awesome guy. Um, I think he'd, yeah, I actually don't think he'd won yet. He won the U S open the next year. And I think he won Augusta after that, but, but he was already like a, a gun over in Europe. It's like a really, really good player. So we had, we had tons of people out there watching and like, they weren't rooting against me, but they were very much so rooting for Cabrera. And and I, I honest to God, don't really remember, but I think I had it fairly under control coming in. I don't remember if I won by one or two or three or something like that. But 
but won the tournament and then uh we're sitting there on 18 green they're doing the the wrap-up deal and everybody is sitting on the green you know and and they interviewed the low am kid and then they interviewed cabrera as a runner-up and they're all up there talking giving their speeches in spanish and i can speak some decent spanish and i was sitting there thinking and i know and i knew my dad back when he won gave his speech in spanish and did a pretty good job i've, I've heard from a number of people he crisscrossed a handful of words here and there but uh what are you gonna uh, do yeah exactly but the, i think they they respected the fact that like at least you tried right yeah so i'm sitting there thinking like still have no idea i can i'm a lot better off if i just start winging it and then thinking about what i'm gonna say and i and i listened to the two guys talk already so it was like in my brain what they said i'm like ah cool i can do this and i and i got up there and i didn't really know on hell at the time and and the whole round you know we hardly talk to each other he speaks pretty good english he doesn't like to act <laughs> yeah, like he does he, he yeah. doesn't want people to know he does he, he <laughs> just will say que pasa amigo he calls me gordito same same, yep. same as yep. you probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know I, I got up there and i did the did the spiel in in spanish and sat back down right next to on hell and he looks at me and he's like just this look of bewilderment he's like basically was like what the fuck was that like where where, where is <laughs> yeah. that been he's like i've been talking shit about you all day you understood everything I yeah said? <laughs> and i just i asked I was like was that good and he, and he just reached over and gave me a hug he's like yeah that was awesome and he was so he was like so he was so much more excited just the, about the fact that i got up there and gave a speech in spanish than anything that seemed like for the whole day and from then on that guy's like been my freaking boy like i played it was actually that was I think that was 2006 and the very next year is when i won that johnny walker in, in australia and got european status and i went over there and he was still playing there and we got paired up a handful of times over there and like he was he was just been awesome to me ever since that that tournament down there in Argentina. It was, it was pretty cool yeah, yeah. Dude, he's and hell's one of the best yeah he's, he's fantastic he's awesome. he does speak very good english yeah, though. yeah yeah he just doesn't like to go but uh let's go to your first masters after you win phoenix you get in your first masters which happens to be your dad's last masters oh i'll tell you one more thing about Onhel was oh, yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah. He he won the U.S. Open. I think it was the next year, maybe two years later, and and he gave his speech in Spanish through, through an interpreter. And I saw him. I don't know if it was the next week or the week after. And I was like, "Hey, amigo, what what was that?" I'm like, I did your I did yours in Spanish. You don't do ours in English. And he, and he says to me, he says, "Few more people watching me." <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I was like, "Yep, okay." Dude, he's incredible. One Got of the best it. ball strikers. Ever. Oh yeah. I mean, just stripes it. Yeah. But we do have to talk about the Masters. I know at some point we have to. Because you do finish tied for eighth in your first ever one. Happened to be your dad's last ever one as a competitor. Was that something that was kind of a distraction? Or was that something that was, this is pretty cool that I'm starting and he's he's stepping away? Honestly, it was kind of both. Yeah. Um, I was very excited that they did not pair us together. That was kind of the rumbling yeah. going along. That was what they were going to. And I, did, and I was playing really well then. And I just didn't really want to be a sideshow. I was... I was playing great and and I love the golf course suits my game to a T and I was like, I, I legitimately think that I could win there. Like it's, that's my version of golf is, is what Augusta is. And they were all trying to make this big deal about, and, and I guess like as I get older, probably in the future, I'll look back and it probably was a, it was a pretty cool deal, but at the time I didn't think it was a big deal. Like I'm like, my dad's played, Augustus since I was born. Yeah. Um, you were the first father son duo yeah, to ever play. Right. In the same masters. Which which is a neat deal. Yeah. But to, to me, like it's it's second nature, like said, going back from when I was a little kid to be there with my dad. Mm -hmm. And I was for me it was just really cool that I actually got to play this time for real. Um you know, excuse me. Um we played practice rounds together, uh par three together, all that. Obviously having barbecues, cooking out, hanging out at the houses all all week. And and you know, I, I he was, he was like 60, 61 then. So, I mean, he wasn't very competitive at this time. The course kind of outgrew him, was a little long for him. And, and I didn't really, I didn't really want to play with him to be perfectly honest <laughs> yeah. with you. Like it, it is what it is. I, I wanted to, to play with more competitive guys. And, and again, like it, it all worked out great. I played really well, but looking back now and probably 20 years from now, it would have been, incredible to say that i got to play with my dad in the masters but when it was going on i didn't like i said i didn't want to be a sideshow like i don't it's not my nature to go hunt down cameras and and kind of make a spectacle out of things um 
and I felt like that's what they were trying to do to both of us there. And I just didn't, I didn't think that it was warranted. And I was just there to play a tournament. Yeah. And my dad was also playing a tournament and it was, it was really cool that he was there. Um, but like I said, it, the whole week worked out perfectly where I got to play all the pre tournament rounds with him. And then once competition was there, it was all about competition. Well, you say like, that's my version of golf. That's what I love. Like, Looking at Augusta, it's like there's a lot of right to left holes, things like that. You're a guy that yeah. not only moves it left to right. What about that place makes you think like, yeah, this is my spot? Just a lot of creativity, um, a lot of shot making on the second shots. Uh, so much slope in the greens that the greens that the, that year it was rock hard. Um, I finished even par and finished top ten. Um, it was just incredibly difficult. And and back when I could actually play worth the shit, it was like the harder, the better for me. You know, I, I liked to, I liked it when it was firm. Um, I liked to shape it both ways, not necessarily off the tee, but into the greens, I like to shape it both ways. And you can use the contours there. Uh, you could use the speed to your advantage. Um, and, and the greens were so firm and so fast that I felt like people don't make putts. And I was always a really good lag putter, but my putting has never been a strong suit. So I, I felt like, there's very few weeks through the year where you can really shine through with ball striking. And that week, like if you hit it better than everybody else, you're going to be up at the top. Um, you know, just, just fairways and greens and tack when you can and just sneak in a few birdies here and there. Cause it was, it was, like I said, it was rock hard, really, really difficult. And it was, it was a lot of fun. There's another week like that, the U S open where you were actually, I think, leading the u.s <laughs> open at shinnecock but the year that they lost the greens they lost the course yeah. it went to an absolute gong show out there you feel like the usga owes you a major championship in that you were leading before they I, lost the i wasn't course, lead, i wasn't leading circus. definitely you was were not right leading. there though right yeah i was a fish out of water is what i was i was 24 <laughs> years yeah, old it was quick i was i was living on an air mattress out here playing a mini tour and i qualified <laughs> for the u.s open and i shot even par the first two days it was like that that was one of the first uh, first tournaments I'd like that big big tournaments I'd ever played. Uh, it was awesome. Like I, I was just telling somebody about this the other day, where Chinnacock that week from, I think I got I got there on Saturday or Sunday, uh, the previous weekend. From that Sunday through the Friday was still to this day the purest golf course I've ever seen. Like it was an absolute perfect shape. Like could not be better. Um, we played. Tons of practice rounds. We played nine on Sunday, eighteen Monday, Tuesday. I played twenty-seven holes on Wednesday. My dad's caddy was oh caddying God. for me. We played. It was so good. I was like, I couldn't get enough of the golf course. Played eighteen, and I was like, I want to play nine more. Like this, this place is literally the best golf course I've ever seen. And then I shot sixty-eight, seventy-two. The first two rounds was even. Uh, had like a two p.m. tee time or something on Saturday. It was it was a nightmare. Like I was so nervous, and like when I was getting there. And we drove up to the golf course, and there were, there were caddies on the putting green as we were driving into the parking lot. They were throwing balls in the ground. They were bouncing up 20 feet over their heads. And I'd <laughs> never seen anything like that. I literally didn't even know what was going on. And I was already nervous as all get out. And then I saw that, and I'm like, I, I, can I just withdraw? Like, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I can't do this, right? So missed the green on one, or excuse me, missed the fairway on one, chopped it up on the green, hit a pretty good shot, had 30, 40-footer downhill sidewinder. My dad's caddy that was looping for me walked behind the green, put the bag down, and and I cleans my ball, and he comes back, and he's and I'm looking at the putt, and, I'm, and I told him I said go get the bag because I can't keep this putt on the green. Oh, like it's I'm gonna need I'm gonna need another club. And he told me he's like just putt it over here to the high point and let it fall down. I was like yeah I know how to play golf. That's that's what I'm gonna do right. So I just tap it over here and it went 30 yards off the front of the green. Oh. What did you need? I shot 82, 85. I shot even par the first oh two days, yeah. and I shot eight, I shot twenty seven over on the weekend. Was that the round? Was it Friday where you hit it in the bunker? I think on was, eight is the par three, Sunday. and you had like a you hit a great bunker shot to like three feet or four feet or whatever it was, and you missed it, and we rolled back into the same bunker. Yeah, that was Sunday. Like after I shot twelve over on Saturday, I think we were second out on Sunday, and uh, JJ Henry and I, um, we I think it was seven. Uh, the par three, old, yeah, the little redangery, and the pin was front left, and it was it was just browned out, impossible, rock hard. And we watched, I think it was Mayfair, and I don't remember who the other one was in front of us. We watched them both hit it in the left greenside bunker, both blast onto the green, both put it back in the bunker. God. Both get out on the green. I think, I think they both made six, and then JJ and I both hit it in that bunker. Uh, he half knifed his out 
about 25, 30 feet long was just, it was just like, okay, you're going to be back in the bunker now. And I almost hold mine. It went about two feet past and he, JJ putted it back in the bunker and then he splatted it out and he made it. And the whole time I'm watching it thinking like, I want to jam this in. I got a two footer. That's probably got a cup out left if you're going to baby it or just like rip it in. And I didn't have the balls to rip it in. So I was like, I'm just going to tap it over here to the left and trickled out on the high side. I'm waiting to tap it in and it just keeps on trickling and it goes back into the bunker. Neat. We're like, this that is... was the whole, they were like watering it in between groups, yeah. right? They, they started watering it after our group. After, right after his group. Cool. I remember that his group was the one they're like, uh, we got right. a problem. Now that Kevin's made a 12, yeah. we should start watering Well, after <laughs> we've, we've had four guys on here and they've yeah. all been in the bunker and then putted it back in the same bunker. I think we need to do something about this. Awesome. Yeah. That's fun. You've dealt with some injuries to your hand the last few years. It's great to see you getting back. You want to give us a quick update on kind of how your hand sits right now and all that? Yeah, this is hundred percent. It's good to go. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a mess, a long story. That's not yeah. worthy of anything, but it took about three or four years to find the root cause and finally got it fixed. And unfortunately what I've been trying to dig myself out of now is all the, the, weird motion and body habits that I got into while that was seemingly an unfixable problem. Um, but it's, it's good to go now. Um, trying to get ready to go back out. Um, I'll play a couple times this summer, uh, but really just kind of got to get an eye on the start of the next season. So I'm hoping, I mean, who knows in today's world, if they're going to end up combining the season, hopefully we go off without any more hitches and it, and it resets is what I'm hoping for. Uh, so it's like the uh, second or third week in September will be the new season that I'm really just kind of hoping to be yep. ready to roll Feeling for that. Feeling confident, though, that you can get back out there and get amongst it? Uh, you know yes. yes and no. I mean, it's I've been away from it for so long that I wouldn't say I'm feeling confident by any means. But it's uh, the, the last last couple of weeks, it's finally the ball striking starting to turn around a little bit. Um, you know, that used to be my bread and butter, and that's been just MIA for five years. So mm-hmm. um hasn't. Hasn't been overly exciting trying to trying to pin that down, but I've been starting to see a lot of improvement here lately. So if if that can stick around, and you know the the, the cool thing is like I've I've I, I still see the game the same exact way. Every shot approaches or presents itself to me the way that it did when I used to play well. It's just been frustrating for the longest time now. I can't hit those same shots. I still see them all, and I react to them all, and I and I want to hit the shots, and it hadn't really been there, but it's been literally the motion has been so out of whack that I, I can't really repeat it, but it's been, uh, it's been really getting a lot better on the range. So yeah, that's, so we'll see that's what great happens. news. Yeah, I mean, just good. to get the pain away and be able to get back out there and see what happens. Yeah. For, but your biggest test is about to come because I believe emergency nine is next. So you want to get it a little E9 right now? Would you like to get? To no, it? no. I like, we'll give everyone a quick update. Like what's your stat? Like, what, how many starts you got? What do you got to do? Did. All that stuff. Uh, no, like how many left? I, to be honest, I don't even know what I need to do. I've 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 got twenty three events. I'm gonna play one. Uh, I'm gonna play in a couple weeks. Uh, that the John Deere turned into the workday event at Memorial. I'm gonna go play that just because I love the golf course and I'm and I'm not in the Memorial and I. I don't know who knows what's gonna happen next year, but I'm I'm not planning on unless I play really well. I won't be in it next year either. But it's a tournament I've historically played well at. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'll I'll go out there and play that one just for the hell of it. Um, and then after that, so I'm, I'll, I'll essentially have 22 events uh, for when the next season kicks off. So it's it's pretty much full season. Um, so I'll, I'll, once once September rolls around at the fries up in Napa, I'll, I'll kickstart that with 22 events left. Beautiful, I love it. Tear our ass up, get amongst it. Now let's get into the little fun. We do a little, do a little thing called E9 here, Stats. Just nine quick questions, more of a fun type of little rapid fire right here. Question we ask everybody: If there was a movie being made on the life of Kevin Stadler. What actor would you want to play your role? Yeah, dude. It's real. He's probably dead, but I'd say Chris Farley. Mm. He is. He is dead. Probably, he's not probably dead. No, he's dead. I was going to say he's dead, but I would here. probably say Chris Farley. Um, I, we like to give our opinions on this. I like well. that. Okay. Uh, I think John Daly picked Chris. Well, John Daly picked Chris Farley and Matt Damon, which take that for what it's worth. Can yeah. I, a little bit of a range. Can I pick Colt? Yeah, you can pick Colt. Have you guys ever been mistaken for one another? My mom thought that uh, when he played really well at Hilton Head, uh, <laughs> when you were last group Hilton yeah. Head, right? And I don't know if you remember. This was pretty funny. I put like shit that week, and I was and I'd finished right before you started, and I walked across the first tee because I was too lazy to go around it mm-hmm. to go to the parking lot, and you guys were on the first tee. Yeah, I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I just walked right across the first yeah. tee to get to get out of there, and uh, my mom called me that afternoon, and she's like. 
Hey, I thought you weren't playing very good. And I just saw you tee off. <laughs> uh, your own mother. Different. And I was like, he's at least three inches shorter than me. Come on. <laughs> God, Don't take that, Colt. Don't <laughs> take that, Colt. Oh, my God. By the way, you're welcome if people confuse if you. If Colt could uh, act, he could play. Yep. All right, who'd you have for him? Uh, Brian Bumgardner. I don't even know who that oh, is. Do uh, you watch The Office? Yeah. Kevin. Oh, uh, yeah. Only I, the greatest okay. dude of all yeah. time. Yeah, that's a great. I had Doctor Phil for you because I feel like you're deeper than what, <laughs> what than surface level. You're a very deep individual for those. That He's from your neck you. of the woods. He is. That's mm-hmm. why I respect him. You just got to grow a little stash. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I've heard you don't like this nickname. I, got, I don't. There's not. So I know. But you have to <laughs> choose one. <laughs> we know you don't like the name, nickname Baby Walrus, but I heard VJ Singh gave you a nickname at Tory Pines early on in your rookie year. Well, hey, what, what was that? Was that? The hippo. I thought it was a blue whale or something. Absurd. Well, I heard from a very good source. The blue whale. That they were asking, it was, I like that, actually. They were asking tour players what your nickname should be since your dad was the walrus. And VJ says, I don't know, the hippo? I, yeah, I don't know what so it was. So if you had to choose one, which one would it be? Hippo or baby walrus? Fuck. N-A. N-A, yeah. None of the above? Yeah, I don't know. Nothing aquatic. Nothing aquatic. All right, we got a solution to that coming up a little bit later in the show. All right, number three. If you go back in time, you had to trade lives with one of these people. Who would you rather? Whose life would you rather live? John Elway or Garth Brooks? Ooh, yeah, either one. I'm you have to pick. I, I know. I, I you're a big Garth guy. I would say we've Gar- shared. Yeah, a Garth I'd, experience. I'd have to say Garth. Let's not get into it. But yeah, sorry, number seven, you're a stud, but I gotta say Garth. Yeah, Garth's a. If you're a country guy, that's a tough one to pass oh, up on. I'm with. Yeah, I'm with Garth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Number I'll four. Allow- we know you're big into Clash of Clans. Negative. What the was. Hell? Okay, delete this. Dads, you used to be in the Clash of Clans. I for a very small time. I well, your friends. Right, that's okay. Claim that you're big into Clash of Clans. They don't know what All they're right. talking about. That's true. Okay, well, now true. we got to come up with a different <laughs> question. No, that's probably true. No, we can still hit that. I still want to know the answer to it. Okay, we'll just go with it. We can edit this somehow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just act like you're a big, big fan of it. Okay. What's Say your Clash of Clans gamer tag, and how much money have you spent on the game? It was Chief something. And, uh, Chief, Chief, no, Chief Chief you know something. your gamer tag. What was it? I don't remember. Was it? Chief what? Chief Birdie Maker. Yeah, that was it. Chief Birdie Maker. <laughs> something. It's something good. Chief yeah. what? You know your tag. It was tag. Chief Dominator is what it was. <laughs> See, you know. I know. You know how I know? Because Matt Jones yeah. is a Clash Clans freak. Yeah, people love it. And his name was Dom. And I thought that was really funny. Because that was... Yeah, and I'm like, why the hell did you name yourself Dom? He's like, for Dominator. Uh, so you Chief Dominator. <laughs> yeah. So, how much so I heard I'd never spent a dollar on. I that. don't know how it works. I've never played it. But you're the Chief Dominator. Who Apparently. told you he likes Class of Clans? Just so we can verify. Uh, our, probably, our probably boots Jonesy. On the nope. Scooter. Oh no. Oh, Scooter. He knows you as good as anybody. Yeah, dude. Yeah. No. Scooter doesn't. That's all right. Scotty, 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 Scotty Chief, doesn't know. We got Scotty Chief Dominator know. out of the whole Chief thing. Chief Dominator that's, is beautiful. That's, another, <laughs> that's the, perfect, the perfect gamer tag, whatever you call it. All right. This is an estimate, Stats. To your best of your knowledge, how many classes did you attend your senior year of college at USC? Four. Four for the, for the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a hell of all in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point in time, correct me I think if I'm I had wrong. four classes and I went to each of them once. One time? Yeah. In orientation or whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong, but at that time, if, you, if you're if you eligible at the beginning of the year before it changed, like you're eligible for the whole year. So that's, if you enter your senior year eligible, boom, you can play the whole year. That's a fact. Cool. Yes. And I have some friends that told me you hated your classes so much, but you were bored that you would just show up to their classes and hang out with them because you're like, I have nothing to do and I'm definitely not going to my class. I went to a couple classes, but they were not exactly classes. They were... Uh, it was i'd already taken the class twice oh, and it okay. was a it was a theater class it was movies Ooh. every thursday night from 7 to 11 they'd have a blockbuster movie release mm. and uh have an actor a producer a director or somebody come up and and talk and it was it was badass you could have got that at new mexico no you couldn't have got couldn't yeah. have got that Good class so to went, went to that twice and then Kept going to it. It was All like right. a smooth four your whole senior year. Pretty yeah, solid. That's, that's a good I mean, run. it might have been more, but that's I'm guessing run. four is fine. Four yeah. is a good estimate. All right. You got to name your Mount Rushmore of Colorado sports, excluding Sleaze. You can't you can't use him. Well, there's one free spot yeah. open. You can okay. even like do your top five, top six, whatever. Your uh, favorite Colorado athletes. John Elway, Terrell Davis, Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, and Larry Walker. Sleaze. Wow. Patrick Wall gets left off? Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, that's a, tight, cup. that's a he tight did. mountain. 
It is. And I, I, I'd, I'd back all those no up. No Peyton again. Manning either. Yeah. I mean. No, no you only have a few spots. Wa, Wa and Peyton were very short-lived there. Yeah. You know. That's fair. Um, would Sleaze have been in there? On the no. golf Mount Rushmore, I'm in there. Sleaze would do be. The golf, ra- yeah, Mount do the Rushmore. quick golf Colorado, Colorado golf Mount Rushmore. Uh, you. Me and my dad. Duval. Duval doesn't count. He's Why? late. Late. Like he's late, but how long has it been since you lived there? You gotta be like native Colorado. I'm not from native Colorado. He thinks he's gonna Neither make this list. Neither are you. Well, I, I grew up there. <laughs> yes. I won everything you could. I won everything you could win. You went to high school. You gotta go to high school there. <laughs> oh my god. Wyndham. Well, all right then. It's Wyndham, me, Tolan. <laughs> Stop. All right. Not the list. not yes, you. The list no, is please. shit. The list. You're not gonna throw <laughs> Hale Irwin in the mix. He'd probably be a good one. All right. Paul Lobato. <laughs> All of okay, these are good. These are names nobody knows, and that just shows <laughs> how much you're shitting on me right now, which I don't appreciate. All right, uh, all right. It's oh amazing. shit, oh god, it's uh, okay. It's fine. This is Can't what take me here. anywhere. All right, number eight. We know you like to read a lot. First off, last book you read? Honestly, I don't. I I was. I don't know the name of it. I've been reading some uh, Harlan Coben old books. They're just kind of trash summer novels that you can rip through. All right. Um, well, for those that don't know you that well out there, you're. You're not the most positive human in the world. So is it true that Tony Robbins is your favorite author? Uh, if you talk to a certain dentist in town, he would claim that's the case. <laughs> you and Tony Robbins, a lot alike. I, I agree. I think a motivational speaker could be in your future. If, if Why not? Hey, when I'm off the golf course, I'm perfectly positive. That's actually very true. Yeah. yeah. See, that's, that's one thing a lot of people don't know. I mean, you can be an absolute dickhead on the golf course, but then you're really nice off. I'm uh, I'm a dickhead on the golf course. No, mm. not you. I'm just saying other people oh, can be. Uh, okay. No, just in yeah. general. People are different at work than they are. Yeah, it's like you know I've I've had so many people ask me over the years about my dad. Like guys that play with them pro ams are like, is your dad like always grumpy and angry? And I'm like, no. What the hell? Like because he was always kind of scruff and mm-hmm. pissed off on the golf course. I'm like, no, that's him on the golf course. Yeah, 100. Yeah. percent But that's couldn't have been any more different off of it. Yeah. So that's it's awesome. yeah it's. It's funny because there's a lot of validity and a lot of truth to the what people say is like what people are on the golf course is what they are in real life. Like you get a lot of their true nature, but it's also competitive golf is a whole nother animal. Totally agree. Different beast. Golf can make, can piss off anybody. It can ruin any attitude. I don't care who you are, especially when you're playing at the highest level. All right. Last question. All right. Your epic victory party after the Phoenix Open, not counting yourself, which you definitely be number one. Who was the drunkest PGA Tour player there? <laughs> Probably Mallinger. Yep, yeah, that's who I was going to go with. That's yeah. correct. Yep. Charlie Hoffman, and I think. A if one uh, beat. if Denny Pelly was a pro golfer, he would have won that award. Yeah, Denny Pelly, yeah. director I, of membership at the Rock. I agree with Mallinger. We actually yeah. showed up to your party together. I saw TC yesterday and uh, on Sunday, Tim Clark, and, yep. and he didn't say anything about it, but I, I remember him back there like the week after he was like that's the drunkest household i've ever set mm-hmm. foot in because they they all showed up late but mally was part of that crowd yeah. and they had they'd been up to some fun before that yeah too. I, yep i agree and i also heard well that you still struggle with the smell of fireball to this day so oh god yeah night. i won't touch that it's <laughs> one that's night pure disaster one night, one night only no. andrew Sorry, buckle fireball. was throwing chicken yes, wings into your yep, ceiling fan say. and he's like chickens can fly, chickens can fly. <laughs> <laughs> Buck, buckle could have been he was right he's there. in the mix too all right this is the solution right here dude to your nickname dilemma i've already solved it for you usc guy you're a huge trojan i propose that we go with your new nickname the magnum <laughs> that's an incredible nickname the biggest trojan there is that's pretty funny yeah all right it's so also not applicable that. forget this, forget this <laughs> i like it. the smallest and whatever else you're now known as the magnum no awesome stads yeah. with well, man we this has been you. sorry excuse me magnum this magnum. has been yes, an absolute pleasure we really, really i already have a nickname i don't need one no magnum's better magnum's better <laughs> But thanks for joining us on Subpar. All righty. Thanks, Appreciate guys. You. And that was the one, the only, Kevin Stadler. Y- you know where you stand with Kevin. He's he's very dry, but but you know where you stand. And he, I enjoy it. That, that's the most I've ever seen him open up. Yeah, dude. He's a, he's a tough nut to crack, like especially for media and stuff like that. But we've we known him for a while. It was cool to get his story because he hasn't told it for a long time. A lot of people just like, where where'd Kevin Stadler go? Last thing we know, he was winning the Phoenix Open, you know, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's gone. I know that. 
wrist injury was a hard thing to get diagnosed. He's, he explored a lot of different options, but for the first time, like a, he looks great. Mm -hmm. B his wrist. He says, you know, hundred percent, my wrist is fine. So looking forward to having him back out there, but dude, he's fun. And he's a really like, you, you kind of heard some of the stories. He, he's not the super Mr. Outgoing social guy, but he's a really like smart dude, which he like tries to hide a lot, but he does a ton of reading and knows a lot of stuff for not being an outgoing guy. He has hands down the greatest victory party I've ever been to from anybody that's won on the PGA Tour. I've never seen more people celebrate as if they won mm -hmm. on the PGA Tour as I did that night. There was a hundred people in there all celebrating like we won, we did, we it, did it. It was a, it was for a, the ages. Yeah, it was a blast. But it's it's cool talking to a guy like that who who grew up the son of a Masters champion. Like I mean, those are some big shoes to fill. And Kevin's had a great career, one of the best ball strikers I've ever seen. Uh, you know, the, the, besides the injuries, the anchor ban. Really hurt Kevin, I believe. But it'll be interesting to see if he can come back. He he seems like he's starting to. He's not quite Tony Robbins positive. You're right, right, right. <laughs> but he but he's working his working his way there. Yeah, Kevin's the type of dude who goes into the Phoenix Open, wins, like and he's like, oh, I'm playing like shit. I stink. Yeah. My game's no. He's never like high on his game ever. He could be playing incredible. He's never like, dude, I'm really optimistic. I think I might win this week. But for the first time in the last couple of weeks, talking with him, he's like. Dude, it's actually like I'm starting to hit some golf shots. I'm starting to play a little bit of golf. Right, it starts to feel like old me again. So like I'm pretty optimistic for him. I think, you know, hopefully he gets out there and uh, and kind of starts hitting it the way he did because like you said, when he was playing at his peak, it was hard to find a guy T to Green that was that was better than Kevin Stadler for sure. Well, I know we are all going to be rooting for Kevin Stadler when he gets back out there, but this part's tough for me, Sleaze. <laughs> the gambling picks last week. Um, yeah. It's very depressing. Yeah. My uh, my squad didn't show up. Break, Before we get there, break it down. I will real say quick. my number one overall pick. His caddy tested positive for coronavirus. He withdrew. Yep. So, producer Mark, let me substitute a pick. And I was very gracious in allowing you to do well, that. Well, I should. Okay. Kudos to me for being the sportsman that I am. Coronavirus attacking the PGA Tour. I mean, I'm you sorry. You draft a guy and he blows his knee out. You got a guy with a blown knee. You know. Well, that's different. I, yeah, it was before they tee off. So my next pick goes to Webb Simpson, uh, family member test positive. He's out. Yeah, he's got so, a big family. I mean, I did have to go with with this my third pick, which was very difficult. Justin Thomas. Yeah. I mean, who normally is just a shoe in ATM goes out miscut. cut. Uh, I went zero for four this past week missing the cut, which is, <laughs> I I think that's borderline impossible. You think the pressure is getting to these guys, knowing that you draft them every week? Words probably trickling out. You're like, hey, you're on Colts team this week. And they're probably they going to buckle. They're probably going to call me and be like, please stop picking me. Yeah. You're gonna I was get, on You're going to be like the, fire. The, the NCAA curse or the Madden curse, being Drake. on the cover of that. Yeah, and the Drake. You and Drake. I was on fire before this pandemic hit, and now I can't pick my fucking nose since we This is back. what I needed, dude. I just need a little quick 20, regroup with the team. Let's calm things down. Let's get back to basics. And now the Sleaze train is thumping. Producer Mark, give us a little what up that what happened last week. I still money think you got a ways to go, I'm, dude. Brick yeah, by brick. You know, um, like Colt said, apparently his picks didn't know it was his birthday weekend because they all missed the cut. Mm -hmm. You know, Drew, you had two guys miss the cut in Justin Rose and Corey Connors, but you also had two guys in the top eleven with uh, Victor Hovland having a T eleven finish and Bryson DeChambeau finishing T six to close the gap. To four hundred and twenty-nine thousand dollars. Dude, I'll have that by the turn. Three point two million to four or to two point eight. Four hundred thousand is all that separates. I remember just recently is about two million. So yeah, you're making a run, chopping it up. Let's get to it this week. Make our picks. You get the first pick against. Being that I have the honor. I wonder who you're gonna pick. Teeing off first from Dallas, Texas, for Team Sleeves will be Mr. Bryson DeChambeau, aka the Money Man. Quick stat right here: last six starts for Mr. Bryson, fifth. Second, fourth, third, eighth, sixth. So I notice a trend. I'm a numbers guy. That seems to be there's a lot of high finishes. I'm picking him until he stinks. Yeah, it seems like uh, you're starting to cheat on uh, your boy Kierdek, Alfred Bonrot, and I'm paying homage to yeah, him right now. That's because you know you're leaving his team and you're going to Team Bryson. No, I'm all Team Rat. It's on the you back the of my shirt. As soon as he's back Bryson. in a field, he's coming. He's going to be back on the. He'll mm -hmm. be rostered, guaranteed. Well, that was going to be my pick, but since I'm not allowed to pick the same one as you, which is absolutely asinine in my mm -hmm. opinion um i'm gonna go with a guy who shot a little eight under par on sunday at this tournament last year uh to finish tied for 13th he's 12th in strokes gained approach 20 to 1 odds since you stole my pick i'm going with our guy victor hovland Ooh, okay all right not mad at it he was team sleaze last week i'll pass him pass him to you this week see if he performs like he did for me mm -hmm. uh all right you got victor hovland i'm not mad at that 
Next pick for no, sleaze? And no, no, it's my pick now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't you get go. to just oh, pick shoot. first. Don't oh, look uh, at my sheet. You don't get to pick right out of the gate every time. I'm just used to having the honor. Yeah. Okay. Well, mine, this guy is 33 to 1. I played this golf course last year. I really think you can overpower this place. I think long hitters have a huge advantage. Oh, boy. He's due for a big week. Uh, the guy has zero weaknesses, in my opinion. It's just all about closing the door. Oh, boy. 33 to 1, Tony Finau. Oh, boy. Well, that was mine. Well, and uh, now I don't have the sheet in front of me, so I got to go find a new <laughs> pick. <laughs> All right. Upon further review, being that you stole my pick with Tony Finau, I've gone back to the board and Team Sleaze selects Ricky Fowler. Mm. Not trending, just like I noticed this trend up here with Bryson and all these low numbers. <laughs> Thought you're a numbers guy. <laughs> I'm a numbers guy. Not trending. I'm going contrarian here, just knowing that he's really good. At some point, it's got to click. I think three weeks, you know, he's played a bunch of weeks in a row. I think at some point, it's got to turn around and click. And I think he's a big upside for middle tier. I mean, you go back to the beginning of the year, there's no chance you could get him between 26 and 50 to 1 to win a tournament. So I'll go Ricky, put him on the squad. Yeah, coming off an off week. Yeah. He uh, took the week Regroup. off, rested. Uh, he's kind of somewhat the host at this event. Yeah, he should play good sponsor. here yep. up here, title sponsor. All right. Well, let's see who you got for the third. All right, my next one. Let me cover my sheet. Or do here. I go two in a row? No, I think I go now. And Whatever, then you, you lead it off. These ones don't matter. These, these are no, these are where off. you make up all your juice. All right, I'm going back to the well with a guy that I picked earlier this year. Iron player, great putter. You played in this thing. You got to go so low at this tournament. Mm -hmm. you, you shot 700 and finished like 50. 59th. 59th for 700. Par. You yeah. have got to go low. There's a couple ways to do it. Hitting bombs is one. This guy doesn't do that, but he puts it and irons it as good as anyone. Adam Hadwin, 60 to 1. You do like Adam Hadwin a lot. Dude, he's rock solid. Okay, this guy finished fifth place last year in Detroit. He's... One of the best chippers and putters on the planet. This golf course, you don't have to drive it necessarily that straight. You just got to, if you can carry it over about 275, I think you're really, you can really do some damage around here. And like I said, great showing here last year, 60 to 1, Brant Snedeker. Well, mother of God, that's my second pick. <laughs> I got to go back to the well. Again. I don't know what to tell you. Damn it. All right. Well, being that we are, there's a lot of overlap here. I feel like mm -hmm. you may have, there may be a rat in my, in my team room here, giving away my picks, but all right. You, you took Brant. Brant was my second guy. I'm audibling out of that. I'm going into another great ball striker. Not sure if he's got the heat with the putter to keep up with the, how many low scores come out this week, but he hits it incredible. I'll go Kyle Stanley. He's 80 to one. Mm. Kyle Stanley. Nice player. Thank you. Solid pick. All right. For my last pick. I'm all about confidence, and I think this guy's got a lot of confidence right now. He's coming in 80 to 1, had an unbelievable achievement last week, finished tied for third, has special temporary membership on the PGA Tour, didn't have to use a sponsor exemption for this week in Detroit. Will Gordon, I think this golf course sets up perfect for him. Like I said, if you can carry it a long ways in the air, you have such an advantage around this place. Riding high after last week, mm -hmm. too. What a cool story that was for him, man. So not even on the board last week. Brand new draftee, mm -hmm. first time available this week. So, Will Gordon, step on up. Team Bolt. Yeah, so I need my team to show up this week. Last week was embarrassing. I never thought that would ever happen. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's time, good, good point. Hey, we don't look in the past. We look, we look, we look forward. To the, look forward. And speaking of, next week, we'll be joined by arguably the best hair in the game of golf. Without question. And one of the most opinionated men in the world of golf. Mr. Brandel Chambly. Yes, the Silver Fox himself will be in studio. We will do our best to get him to say something mean or outrageous that causes huge stir amongst yes. golf Twitter, I which doesn't take happens. much. Yeah, You can I say golf it. or golfing. That'll do it. I'm sure he'll say something more controversial than that. All right. Well, that's it for us. We'll talk to you all next week on Golf Subpar. Subpar.